Welcome to episode 36 of the Scarlet Faithful Podcast. I am your host and co-founder, Aaron Brightman, and uh, wanted to do this episode. It's been a while since I've been able to do a kind of Rutgers roundup recap of all the different sports going on. I'll be honest, I intended to do a, um, you know, kind of weekly uh, recap of all Rutgers athletics. Um, and I did for, for a while, and it just got to be a bit too much, to be honest, with now winter um, sports in action. And I was doing it in a way that was a little bit obsessive, trying to write recaps for each program and then kind of going on script a little bit. And, you know, it just uh, it's a lot. And um, I'm really focused on putting out uh, obviously uh, quantity, but also quality. And uh, with the Scarlet Faithful uh, on my site and out there uh, on the Internet, social media, everything. So. I just had to kind of do a recalibration of what worked, what was working, what made sense. Um, so I'm going to definitely do this type of podcast uh, here and there. Uh, today is going to be much more of a riff session. I'm going to go through specific programs and just kind of say what's on my mind about it and kind of recap where things are. Um, but in terms of my write-ups, it's going to be more general. Um, and then I'll do more links just in terms of where you can find information. Rutgers Athletics Communications does a phenomenal job, and they have a lot of specific information on certain things that I will touch on. Um, but in terms of going into uh, specific details in my writing on a podcast uh, post where I went team by team break breakdown, that's going to be tough to do on a regular basis. I'll do it when I can. But I thought uh, at a minimum doing something like this for this podcast to kind of run through some programs, talk about what's going on, uh, would be uh, hopefully something you'd want to hear. So i um, going to start with kind of recapping a couple of programs that are uh, prominent at Rutgers that have seen their seasons end in uh, the last couple weeks. Let's start with field hockey, number 18 nationally uh, in the polls. Uh, with the final four taking place this week, crazy stat, six of the final or the elite eight teams in the NCAA tournament, Rutgers played, and in the final four, three Big Ten teams made it, uh, Maryland, Penn State, and Northwestern. Northwestern, a team that Rutgers did beat this season uh, and had beaten four out of the last five times, uh, and then faced in the first round, the quarterfinals of the Big Ten tournament, where Rutgers' season ended in overtime, losing to Northwestern 2-1. to one. Uh, And now Northwestern's playing in the Final Four this weekend. So, uh, you know, something about Rutgers, the way they play Northwestern, um, it was a uh, obviously a tough uh, loss. Uh, Big Ten freshman of the year, Puck Winter, scored the goal. Um, and, you know, Sophia Howard made eight saves. She really had a, a good year, uh, I think, replacing uh, – you know, basically a program legend in Gianna Glotz, one of the, you know, uh, best field hockey goalkeepers in, in you know, college field hockey history. Uh, and it was, you know, an up and down year for this team. But overall, they did finish eight and ten. Um, they were five and nine against ranked teams. Uh, I mean, there, there's, you know, of any sport at Rutgers, there's no harder schedule. Uh, excuse me, five and eight they were against ranked teams. Playing that many ranked teams out of their games. Uh, the NCAA tournament only allows for 18 teams. They did finish 18 in RPI. They're 18 in the polls, but you know, with the smaller conferences and the auto bids, they were they were not going to be able to make it. Um, but you know, 
I think overall this team played with a lot of heart. They they played with a lot of pride. They they had some big wins, like I said, the Northwestern game. They finished sixth in the Big uh, Big Ten, uh, and you know five teams made the NCAA tournament. So they uh, certainly had a drop off from last year when they won the Big Ten uh, tournament for the first time ever. They were the number one seed going to the NCAA tournament. They had a transformational class that graduated, um, and now I think is real the key for head coach Meredith Civical moving forward. Um, in terms of recruiting and rebuilding this team for next year. They have a lot of key players this year that return for next year. So I definitely think this program is in good shape, um, and I'm excited to see where they go next year. Let's move on to women's soccer. Lost on Saturday night at your sack field in the first round of the NCAA tournament uh, against Ivy League champion Brown. It was a bitter defeat uh this team you know was 0-0 uh scoreless game into the 81st minute brown coming in number two in the country averaging three goals a game and then scored in the 81st minute on a goal that you know was going to haunt that team uh it, it was it was a tough goal to give up uh you just can't allow that much space on a play uh you know in in defense in the box that late in the game uh, player roamed free and was able to uh, score the um, deciding goal, the only goal in the game, and uh, it was the difference. And uh, unfortunately, Rutgers, uh, you know, they had a late push. Sam Kroger had a tremendous uh, late uh, free kick uh, that almost went in. It was saved, um, but the Ava Seelum friend uh, had that goal for Brown. Uh, Kroger had that late free kick that was saved by Brown's keeper, uh, and unfortunately, Rutgers lost their fourth straight game, uh, and ended their season in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Now, listen, 11 straight NCAA tournament appearances. This is still the most successful overall program at Rutgers. Um, you know, their three of their last their last three losses all came against extremely good teams. Michigan State um, was a, uh, you know, won the Big Ten regular season and uh, beat them on the road at the regular season finale. Uh, that was a score of uh, uh, one to nothing. Um, then they lost uh, to Northwestern two to one on the road in the Big Ten quarterfinals, and then you lose to Brown one to nothing. A key missing player was Emily Mason. Um, you know, uh, first team All Big Ten, uh, really captain of the defense, former uh, high school national player of the year. Uh, you can't understate that loss. The defense definitely wasn't, you know, at their best the last, I say, half of the season. And I think offensively, you know, they had a lot of balance. Um, you had, uh, you know, Sam Kroger uh, and uh, Allison Lowry, who led the attack. Riley Tiernan obviously came in, um, you know, extremely hyped up and, you know, by her standards, did not have the season she wanted. She did finish with four goals and six assists, but is down from last season. Um, you know, where teams, you know, made her a priority this year. And I think down the stretch, Rutgers just didn't have enough in the attack. Um, you know, Kroger and Lowry finished with a team lead of seven goals each. They each had, uh, you know, Kroger had five assists, Lowry four, Sarah Broches and Kylie Daigle each had five goals, seven assists. You had Tiernan, you had Becky Fluchel, three goals, four assists. I mean, that's six players all with, you know, 10 or more points uh, overall. Uh, there is balance there, but, um, you know, they just weren't able to uh, produce enough scoring when it mattered down the stretch. And um, defensively, they had some they had some uh, miscues. 
that uh, ultimately cost them the season. And uh, it's unfortunate. They started first first team, uh, best start in program history, 10-0-0, finished 13-5-2, uh, 3-5-2 in their last 10. Um, but again, a ton of talent on this team as well. Uh, you know, I do think injuries uh, bothered this team down the stretch. I know head coach Mike O'Neill talked about challenging this team from day one with adversity, with a difficult road schedule to start the year. And um, unfortunately, they just got worn down. And, um, you know, I think philosophically, I, I don't think they're going to change. I think offensively, um, you know, uh, they need to, to obviously add in. But you have, you know, a lot of a lot of those players are all returning. Um, so I think they're only going to get better. I think they're going to learn from this. Again, this team, this program has lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament in recent years and responded. And I expect the same from them moving forward, uh, just in terms of how they uh, approach next year. But, you know, you have so many key players back. Uh, you know, uh, Kylie Daigle is uh, going to be a junior. Sarah Brocious will be a senior. Uh, Becky Fluchel will be a senior. Gio German, who, uh, or German, who uh, had a, uh, you know, was a key player off the bench. She'll be back as a junior. Sam Kroger will be a senior. Allison Lowry will be a senior. Um, they are losing Allison Lynch out of the back, who was a key player uh, as a senior, um, I believe, assuming that she won't use that fifth year. I'm not sure. I guess it's not decided. Um, Emily Mason will be back. You will do have to replace, obviously, a huge piece of Megan McClelland. Uh, in goal, you have Emma Meisel uh, back, uh, who's going to be a senior. Gianna Romano was a key player off the bench and started uh, on Saturday. She'll, she should be back. Riley Tiernan. So there is, a, I mean, a ton of talent coming back on this team. Uh, and it's just about regrouping and, 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 and getting better. Um, and, you know, the lad talent through another top recruiting class as well. So, um, you know, I, I don't think there's any reason to overreact. I think, you know, this team had some bad luck at the end. I think, you know, they had some, um, you know, issues that they need to correct, obviously. Um, but overall, this future is very bright for this program uh, moving forward uh, for next year. So let's talk about men's soccer. Obviously, unbelievable weekend, uh, unbelievable run that they're on, winning the Big Ten tournament on Sunday over uh, Big Ten powerhouse, Indiana. Uh, it was Indiana's sixth consecutive uh, Big Ten championship appearance. It was Rutgers first. Uh, and they came out and they, they, they came out with urgency, with energy, uh, and they just played with purpose. And it was great to see. They scored in the fourth minute, Matthew Acosta. MD Myers who was leading the country and scoring at one point. Uh, Big Ten uh, Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, assisted with along with Jackson Temple. Uh, Myers also assisted on the third goal with Ian Abbey, the freshman. Um, but Ola, Ola uh, Mayland uh, with the Olympical goal in the 54th minute, uh, seen everywhere on social media. If you haven't seen it, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you, um, but it was an unbelievable goal, a tremendous celebration with the uh, cartwheel and the backflip. Um and, uh, you know, Rutgers just came out with passion. It was a great turnout, over 4,000 fans at Yersac. And uh, they, 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 they rose to the moment. They rose to the occasion. This team let a lot of wins uh, fall by the wayside, giving up late goals and settling for draws throughout the year. They have six ties this season. Head coach uh, Jim McKeldry talked about it um, in terms of uh, leaving wins on the table. And it hurt their, their NCAA tournament resume. They had an RPI of 51, 
going into the Big Ten tournament, you know, and I, I, I've, I've laughed and I've tried to explain some to some fans, you know, we're upset with the NCAA tournament draw and Rutgers, you know, the RU screw with, you know, they have to play, uh, they go on the road to play the Ivy League champ. Well, listen, RPI, especially in the Olympic sports, is really a huge factor when it comes to the NCAA selection committee. And Rutgers finished uh, number 41, which was fourth out of four Big Ten teams that made the NCAA tournament. So Indiana was 20, Maryland was 21. Ohio State was 39. I get it. Rutgers just beat Ohio State, and they tied them. They beat Indiana. But it's not about one week. It's about the season. Those teams had more difficult non-conference schedules. They had better wins overall. Rutgers' two best wins on the season came against uh, Ohio State and Indiana in the Big Ten semis and Big Ten title game. Uh, and they needed they needed to win the championship game to make the NCAA tournament, and they did. They, they got the automatic bid. And here we are going against uh, Penn on the road, the Ivy League champ. Uh, they're playing Thursday, 7 p.m. at Penn Park in Philadelphia. Um, I have not seen uh, TV information yet. I don't think it will be on TV. I think it will probably be streamed on NCAA.com. Uh, that's pretty common uh, for, for men's soccer. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it is uh, you know, pretty typical uh, of those early games. And, um, you know, it's obviously a huge opportunity, just a, just a great moment for this program to be able to do what they have did uh, in terms of, of making the run. You know, again, like I said, the regular season, they had a good regular season. It could have been better. Um, and if you go back to that second week of the season, Creighton, they lost um, six to one. Creighton, by the way, just won the Big East tournament championship. They'll be in the NCAA tournament as well. So but that was a little bit of a concerning loss. And you wondered, hey, is this team going to be able to do it? You saw MD Myers step up and have a tremendous season. Um, but this is, you know, as experienced uh, and veteran a team this is, they have a lot of key uh, young players stepping up for this team. Most notably, Kieran Dalton in goal was phenomenal in the Big Ten tournament, uh, regularly making five to six saves a game um, and really just uh, has come through for this team and, and, and is a big reason why you should be so positive about this program moving forward. Uh, and you know, listen, they got an opportunity. They're going to have an opportunity to go to Penn and see what they can do. Uh, but if you go back, I mean, uh, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018, they won two big 10, uh, excuse me, four big 10 games combined, uh, which is just brutal. Uh, so, uh, excuse me, two, two, they had no wins in 16, no wins in 17 and two wins in 18. Uh, Jim McKeldry, what he's been able to do with this program, uh, steady build. He did it at Fordham. He's now done it at Rutgers. And to see Rutgers men's soccer, for those of us that have followed this program for years and years and years, um, you know, it's been a long haul and it's been a frustrating one. You know, th there's no reason why this program shouldn't be one of the best in men's college soccer. Uh, just geography, recruiting base, um, uh, tradition, support now. Um, under Pat Hobbs, which is, you know, again, he, he deserves some credit here uh, for hiring uh, the coach that brought this program back, um, like he's done with other sports as well, most notably uh, Steve Peichel, of course, with men's basketball. Um, but, you know, Rutgers soccer back in the national picture, uh, you know, winning the Big Ten tournament. Uh, it's just it, it, it was an awesome moment, and it was great to see them do it at home doing it in front of the home fans. The fans turned out, you know, over 4,000 fans on noon on a Sunday. It was a cold day. 
um, to see them do this and be able to, to come through in that moment is just a great thing. And, uh, you know, they have nothing to lose on Thursday night. Go to Penn and, uh, you know, listen, Penn has an RPI of 13. They're top 15 nationally, both in scoring offense and scoring defense. You know, uh, so it's not going to be an easy game whatsoever. Um, but I think this team, uh, they believe. They believe in each other and they play together. And I think that they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder in a good way. I think they want to prove people wrong. I think that it's united them a little bit, galvanized them in the postseason. Um, and, uh, you know, I think um, it's it's going to be fascinating to watch on Thursday night. The winner plays at the uh, uh, number three seed in the entire tournament, Syracuse and Old Biggie's foe. Um, that would be on Sunday. So quick turnaround here, um, and uh, we'll see what happens. But men's soccer, just a great story. First men's program at Rutgers to win a Big Ten uh, title, uh, and they did it in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, and the great thing about the Big Ten tournament for men's soccer is the higher seed hosts. So, you know, they were able to host all three games. And, they, by the way, almost didn't get there in the quarterfinals, uh, having to go to a shootout against Wisconsin, came through there. So this team is battle-tested, uh, and um, I'm really excited to see what they can do on Thursday in the NCAA tournament, back for the first time in seven years. Uh, transitioning a little bit, um, the winter sports uh, have started. Uh, wrestling. I had a head coach, Scott Cadell on the podcast last week. Hopefully you caught that. Um, a lot of talent uh, and depth within the wrestling program uh, heading into this year. They went two and one uh, on opening weekend uh, with they uh, first hosted Clarion on Friday night uh, at the barn. They won 29 to four uh, and they uh, it was Scott Cadell's 200th win with the program. Uh, really something uh, and quite the accomplishment uh, in his 16th season now. And, you know, people forget, but um, Rutgers wrestling was, you know, I mean, they, they were uh, they were in no man's land in terms of relevance uh, and uh, stability when Cadell got here. And he's just, uh, although I, I loved his comments on my podcast last week, just talking about, you know, wanting to get this program to the next level, that he's not satisfied, he's not happy where things are. He doesn't want to be a top 20 program. He wants to be a top 10 program. Um, but the consistency he's had over the years, you know, six years in a row, multiple All-Americans, obviously the double national titles with uh, Ashnall uh, and Soriano uh, a few years ago. Um, you know, the recruiting has been good. Uh, there's a lot of talent on this team. Um, so, you know, they went, uh, they faced, uh, and then they were at the, um, uh, Liberty High School uh, Showcase, which was called uh, the uh, Journeyman Wrangle Mania on Saturday. They wrestled Sacred Heart. They, uh, you know, that was a 50 to nothing uh, score uh, there. And then they wrestled uh, number 12, Arizona State. Rutgers number 21 coming in. Uh, Sammy Alvarez and Brian Saldano were definitely the two most impressive wrestlers that Rutgers had uh, over the first weekend. Both went 3-0. and Both picked up... Uh, um, you know, ranked victories, uh, and, uh, Soldano, you know, three-time New Jersey high school, uh, state champion, uh, making his debut looking fantastic all weekend. Um, and going to be very fascinating to see what Scott Cadell does at 184. Does he uh, stick with Soldano? Does, um, you know, all American, uh, John Poznowski, uh, what does he do? What, what does he do with that weight? That's going to be just fascinating to see. But a good problem to have as well. Sammy Alvarez at 141 looking really solid. Joey Heilman, the transfer from North Carolina, New Jersey native, 
looked good overall, uh, uh, although he uh, did lose uh, to number four, Michael McGee, Arizona State, 133. Um, but, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a powerhouse. So um, I think Holloman's still going to be really good. Dylan Shaver uh, did have a loss against Arizona State as well. Um, against Figueroa, a, 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 you know, freshman, uh, that's uh, going to be really good for them. Uh, so, but you have some really intriguing, uh, you know, talent on this team. Uh, Tony White, who was the top uh, red shirt at 149 last year, um, you know, he did uh, lose uh, against a top uh, ranked wrestler, Kyle Parco, for Arizona State. Um, but, you know, he's gaining experience. So there's a lot of potential with this team. And uh, it's going to be, uh, again, another fascinating weekend ahead. They're going to go out to the West. They, they wrestle Stanford on Saturday and then Cal State Bakerfield um, uh, open tournament there on Sunday. Uh, so uh, and then they come home. They have the Garden State grapple with number 18 Penn and then Drexel. That is the first weekend of December. So a lot of action coming up with Rutgers wrestling. Women's basketball. They actually play tonight. I was uh, debating on uh, how to handle that, but I'm going to do a recap on how uh, the game tonight. Um, which will be out on Thursday. Um, but I did want to talk about them briefly uh, here on the podcast on Wednesday. They did start 2-1. and one. They had a, a real tight uh, game against Hofstra on Monday, November 7th in the season opener. I did write about it. Um, but they were they needed a 19-11 run in the fourth quarter just to survive that. Then they faced Seton Hall for the first time in five years uh, at Jersey Mike's on Friday. Uh, and they lost that by 18. Um, Seton Hall is a good team. And uh, unfortunately, Rutgers uh, was kind of non-competitive in that game. Um, Sidibe and uh, China Cornwell and Iowa Sidibe did have double doubles, um, but you know Seton Hall was up big, uh, thirteen at the half, uh, and ended up winning by eighteen. And then they hosted NJIT on Sue Wicks Day this past Sunday. Sue Wicks, program legend, greatest program uh, player in program history. I remember going to see them play uh, with double headers with the men's basketball back in the eighties when I was a kid. Um, and they beat NJIT by 16. So that's encouraging. They host uh, North Carolina Central um, tonight. Uh, and then they go to the Battle of Atlantis, which is a uh, you know, pretty uh, competitive field. They'll uh, play Tennessee on uh, November 19th, this Saturday. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Again, this team, they're shorthanded. They have eight scholarship players, and uh, expectations need to be really reasonable this year. I just um, I worry about injuries. I worry about wear and tear. Um, and, uh, you know, where this team's going to be. Cassandra Brown is off to a good start, uh, the transfer from St. Peter's. Um, you know, there is talent on this team, but there's not depth. And, uh, you know, it's uh, they're, they're, it's cliched, but they're going to have to take it one game at a time, no doubt. And, um, you know, I'll keep you posted on women's basketball. Again, playing tonight, North Carolina Central, looking go- to go 3-1. and one. So I really just kind of powered through there uh, on, on several programs. Um, let me just touch on volleyball real quick. Uh, they did pick up their second Big Ten win uh, relatively recently uh, where they uh, beat Iowa, although they did just lose to Iowa in the rematch uh, this past weekend. Um, but they did beat Iowa uh, on um, uh, November 4th. And then they uh, lost to number 15, Penn State, lost to number three, Wisconsin, and then just lost at Iowa um, this past weekend. And then they have just a brutal weekend coming up. They're hosting number three, Wisconsin, number nine, Minnesota, both at Jersey Mike's Friday and Sunday with Michigan State and Michigan uh, road trip the following weekend to wrap up the regular season. 
Um, so, you know, I mean, it's been, uh, it's, it's a process that they're two and, um, is it, uh, 14 now in the big 10 play? Yes. Two and 14 overall in big 10 play eight and 20 overall. Uh, it is a relatively young team. This is going to take a long time. You know, there's no doubt. I've told Caitlin Schweighoffer, head coach to herself. I think she has the hardest job of any big 10 coach in any big 10 sport. Uh, and, um, you know, while they have made some steps, uh, it, fans need to be patient and, uh, it's going to be a process. So, uh, an update there. And then let's really kind of focus on men's basketball and football. Uh, a lot to say there. And I think I want to start with football. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, disappointing loss on Saturday against Michigan state, uh, 27, 21, some encouraging things for sure. Gavin Wims at best game of his career. Uh, and I don't really, you know, yeah, I get the whole the last three minutes of the game and Michigan State was in prevent, you know, there was a two, two minute offense and whatever. I mean, Gavin Wimstead executed it and he executed it really well. Uh, and he was, you know, he was he was playing. He wasn't thinking he wasn't, you know, needing to uh, kind of uh, he just was was able to kind of sling it. And um, I like the pace of the offense in that in that instance. And, you know, I, I know Shiano's taking a lot of heat for how he managed the final two minutes of the first half. And honestly, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I agree with that criticism. I know he kind of rebuffed it again on Monday with his comments. And, you know, I understand why he approached the drive the way he did, um, wanting to be conservative. You're deep in your own territory. But once they rattled off that third down run and, you know, Rutgers was running well, um, I just, you know, I, I, I get playing the percentages, wanting to win the game. Of course, you want to win that game. But I think it's almost, I don't want to say overthink it, but being conservative to a fault sometimes I think can actually hurt you. Uh, obviously, that's why you say it to a fault and uh, wasn't my most eloquent sentence. But um, my point is, I think that you have to take calculated risks. And I think once they saw that they were running the ball and moving the ball, um, you know, again, you don't have to throw, you know, risky plays. They haven't thrown a screen. Brian Fonseca mentioned this in the Rutgers rant this week. Rutgers hasn't thrown it. Or maybe it was, excuse me, it was Pat Lanny that did. Both have been on my podcast recently. But Lanny said they haven't thrown a screen pass in five weeks, I believe he said. That's just wild. Um, you know, we know they don't throw bubble screens, um, you know, slants. I, I just, the short pass game. Definitely, I, I, I don't understand why they're not doing it more. Um, but regardless, you know, give your quarterback an opportunity to make to take advantage of a moment, to, to make some plays. They did it at the end of the game when the clock was running out, and he came through. Uh, would love to have seen him uh, handle that situation and give him an opportunity. Yes, you want to build his confidence, but build, him, build confidence by showing confidence, you know. And I think that uh, that's something they could have done. It's beating a dead horse at this point. We know Shiano is going to be conservative in that regard. And I just think that, you know, the opportunity to potentially, not a guarantee, but potentially to try to fight to get points on the board at the end of the first half, obviously it could have served them well. You know, it could have changed the outcome. That's not how it went. Um, and, uh, you know, disappointing overall. I think what's most disappointing is that, you know, when I wrote about this is that I think I did in my reaction video as well is the offense finally played well, you know, that 460 yards total offense outgained Michigan state by four yards, Michigan state, not a great defense at all, but listen, you know, if you're not having a good offensive day against bad defenses, then that's, that's the real problem. And if you remember back to the Chris Ash era, that did happen. So progress for sure. Wimzak getting better. 
Kyle Manungai, uh, just a stud performance against his former teammate, Jalen Berger. Um, you know, I felt throughout that game that he was motivated to uh, outdo his teammate and uh, their former coach, Mike Teal. Uh, Rutgers great uh, did go on social media and say that, you know, he felt that that was the case as well. So I love when players are motivated like that. And hopefully this could be a kind of a jumping off point from an guy who I've always liked and think has potential, um, you know, had that good first game against Boston college. And then really hadn't done much since until the Michigan state game just ran, ran with urgency. The offensive line did better. Offensive line still a work in progress. Um, but, you know, you had guys like Gus Alinkis, uh, who replaced um, Ireland Brown, who left the game injured. Uh, they put Kobe Asamoah, true freshman, big fella from Ohio, looked really good at guard. Um, you know, I don't want to say that the offensive line is coming together, but they're, they're still tinkering and, and with it, which is not great this late in the season. But, you know, Shiano did talk about how he really feels the younger offensive linemen on this program are developing. And that's really been the key. You know, yes, the, the transfers were almost like tape for this year. Some have worked out better than others. But at the end of the day, it's all about developing the youth within the offensive line. And you saw two players that made a positive impact on Sunday or Saturday. So that that's obviously uh, encouraging. Um, but the defense, you know, I don't know if they're just worn down. Um, I don't know if it's a, a scheme thing. Uh, but, you know, they they did not have a good day on Saturday. Special teams did not have a good day. Penalties everywhere. The discipline, the lack of discipline with the penalties on, on all three phases, all three, uh, you know, offense, defense, and special teams is a problem. Um, you know, two offsides calls on special teams. Uh, another uh, kicker or, uh, kick, uh, kick uh, coverage interference uh, call um, just – you know, inexcusable penalties at this point, 14 penalties, three that were uh, over to, or excuse me, declined. So I think, you know, penalty wise, it's just extremely frustrating to see this team, you know, make these self-inflicted mistakes game after game. You know, it's it's been a, a recurring issue all season. And I understand, you know, that Shiano did uh, blame it a little bit in part on the youth of this team, but you know, and I, I, I get special teams. There are a lot of young players on special teams, um, but there's some veterans making some mistakes too that are, you know, shouldn't be happening at this point that winning teams don't make. Who am I to tell Greg Schiano that he needs a special teams coordinator? But, um, you know, he knows what is best, but whatever is happening, I think he probably knows and is evaluating, you know, they need to change something there because too many mistakes on special teams, Although there's, you know, plenty of, of positives uh, overall with that unit. The, the penalties are just too much on that end. Uh, you can't shoot yourself foot on special teams with penalties. Um, and then just, you know, both sides of the ball, uh, particularly on the lines, uh, just, just you know, uh, offsides, holding, uh, false starts. It's, um, you know, it, it hasn't gotten better. And I think that that, you know, uh, is on the coaching staff and something that hopefully – in these last two games, they can point to and say we've improved on. And, um, you know, obviously if they do, it's going to give Rutgers a much better chance to win. And uh, especially against Maryland, uh, who got roughed up last week against Penn State. I wrote about this yesterday. The Penn State defense, you know, was, uh, they, I mean, they, they dominated Indiana and Maryland. And Maryland, you know, had, has had a pretty good year offensively um, and uh, shut them out. Uh, you know, they've had 13 sacks in the last two games. 
And, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of pressure on the offensive line. So um, four and six, you know, everyone said, I mean, expectations were four wins, five wins coming to the year. I picked five wins, five and seven. Um, you know, and obviously, listen, game predicting what the team will do, having those expectations and then living through those losses, it's two different things. And there's emotions involved. Uh, you know, when you're a, a longtime fan of the program, you know, you're going to react in different ways. And I've always been a proponent of you let fans react the way they want to react naturally. You know, uh, you can't tell somebody they can't feel something or can't be upset or frustrated. Or, you know, and there's some people that want to drink the Kool-Aid and wave the pom-poms no matter what. I think that's doing a disservice to the program as well, to be honest with you. I think fans, a key part of fans is being holding the program accountable. Um and, you know, there's been good, there's been bad. Uh, it's I've said from day one, I think it's a developmental season. I think that's how this team and this this season will need to be judged uh, with just two more weeks to go. We'll be able to we'll have plenty of time in December to look back and analyze and reevaluate um, and, and see where this program is. Uh, there's still time to, to make more progress. And I think taking advantage of these two weeks is, is crucial for the long-term outlook of, of, of this program, um, obviously with Gavin Wimsat, but just, you know, there's a ton of young players um, getting opportunities this year. Um, I really hope the defense is able to respond. I mean, listen, they, they gave Michigan, you know, is in line to, I mean, well, that Ohio State game in two weeks is going to be something else, but Michigan is really good. Rutgers led them at the half. Um, you know, Michigan destroyed Penn State. Obviously it's college sports, you know, week to week, you know, opponent results. It doesn't always, uh, you know, uh, translate exactly like that. But, um, you know, this is this is a game for Rutgers to make a statement. I mean, if listen, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if Rutgers beat Penn State, the season would be made. Uh, and it, the narrative of this program would be dramatically changed. So you have an opportunity to go out Saturday, senior day, at home, 3.30, at SHI Stadium. And I just hope this team gives their best their best effort, their best performance, whether it translates to a win or not. It's going to take their best performance to, to beat Penn State, of course. But I just hope they play well. And I hope they give them everything they can handle, uh, win, lose, or draw. And uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, that means don't, don't kill yourself with penalties. Don't turn the ball over. Play hard. Force Penn State, you know, to, 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 to give a great effort to beat you. Uh, you know, don't give up big plays on defense. The defense has been really good with that most of the season. Um, you know, Penn State, obviously, offensively with Clifford, uh, with their freshman running back, they're, they're, you know, this is a good team. This is a good team. It's going to be a really tough challenge. Um, hopefully, Rutgers can show up and 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 uh, show more progress on Saturday. And I want to end it with men's basketball. 3-0 start first week. Um, you know, I, I, I uh, competition-wise, you know, the first two games, obviously, uh, Columbia, uh, and, and then you had Sacred Heart, two, uh, you know, not good teams. Rutgers handled them, uh, you know, relatively easily, uh, 40 and 38 point margins of victory. Uh, and, you know, listen, I, I know you, you don't want to uh, exaggerate that, but just to see them uh, blow out bad teams is refreshing after what we lived through the last couple of years and, um, you know, seeing teams that, uh, you know, Rutgers uh, had no business uh, losing to. Uh, to see them take care of business like that in the first two games was refreshing. And then I thought UMass Lowell, I mean, listen, that's a, that's a solid team. I mean, they're a Ken Palm top 150 team. 
Uh, Rutgers lost Mulcahy early in that game. Caleb McConnell still out. Uh, and they handled adversity well. You know, they, they were comfortably ahead most of the game, around 10, 12 points, almost the whole game. UMass Lowell got it down to six. Rutgers won by eight. But, you know, having that little bit of a test, I think, you know, late in that game was actually a good thing for this team. Now that, you know, they, they faced Temple on Friday night, Mohegan Sun, 5 p.m., games on ESPNU. Uh, this team, you know, has, has, has done everything you need them to do so far. Now things are starting to get more interesting. You have Temple on Friday. You have Ryder at home the following Tuesday. Ryder went to Providence and lost by one point. So that's going to be a hard game. Then you have Central Connecticut State uh, over Thanksgiving weekend. And then you go to Miami for the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So things are going to get interesting here real quick. Uh, Paul Mulcahy, Kayla McConnell, uh, and Coach Steve Peichel talked to Brian Fonseca this week and said that both, you know, uh, they're limited in practice. Um, it appears they're both close to returning. It's going to be up to the medical staff uh, in regard to whether they can play Friday or not. Uh, but it's good to hear that Paul Mulcahy's shoulder injury is not, uh, you know, serious or long-term in terms of him being out. Caleb McConnell, you know, I've said all along, I hope they're being cautious with him. There's no need to rush him back. Uh, so, obviously, it would be really good if they played on Friday. I don't think, you know, if you need to be cautious and, and give them more time, do that. Uh, I think this team can win again on Friday against Temple without them uh, because I think that, you know, We've seen that this this is a this is a team, you know. Well, I just love their chemistry. I love their balance. I love the the different contributors they've had. Andre Hyatt, you can't say enough about his start. The first three games, you know, too many people just kind of wrote him off after last year. He never got in the sink. He certainly struggled at times, um, but he had his moments, and he had his moments at LSU. And I just thought that you know. I've followed him for a long time because Rutgers recruited him a lot. I've watched tape on him from high school, AAU. Um, you know, he's had some injuries that have kind of slowed him down a little bit. And I think he kind of had to relearn or, or learn a new way to play for him. And he's a tough, hard-nosed kid. And uh, listen, if, he, if, you can, if he can average close to a double-double, if he can give you 10 to 12 points, six to eight boards a game, solid defense, you know, defending multiple positions – he's going to be a huge part of this team. And I think for me, Friday, Temple, that I think Andre Hyatt and Mawat Mag, they're the keys in this game. Uh, you know, Khalif Battle is really good for Temple. Um, you also have, have the guard, Damian Dunn, so the backcourt's going to be tested with him. Those are the two best players. But I think if, if, if Hyatt and Mag can give them consistent, solid production at the four on both ends of the floor, Rutgers is going to be a good team. You have Cliff down low at the five. You have Cam Spencer, who's looked phenomenal and not just a shooter, not just a scorer. He's a complete player. He's averaging four rebounds, four assists, four steals. Uh, and he's just a winning player. He's just a winning player. Uh, you have Mulcahy at the one. You're going to get McConnell back. It's the four. The four position, if they can get consistent, solid production out of Hyatt and Mag, whatever combination that is, game to game, this team's going to have no holes in the starting lineup. You know, then you have Derek Simpson, who's looked phenomenal uh, as a true freshman, three games, you know, 10 for 10 from the free throw line on Saturday, stepping up, playing big minutes, 34 minutes of Mulcahy's absence. Um, you know, Simpson was under-recruited. Antoine Wolfork, you know, can he be a viable backup for uh, Cliff in Big Ten play? He might be. I mean, his footwork has been great. 
uh, he, he's got a cere cerebral way about him. He's under control. His body is still developing. He's a football player that is now a full-time basketball player who has a lot of potential. He wasn't really recruited by many at all. I just, you know, I, I, for me, I guess the biggest takeaway overall on the start of the season, the way this team looks, is that it has Peichel's stroke of just it's it's if you look at it like a painting, this is this is Peichel's kind of just his complete vision on a canvas. You know, this team fits well. I think the uh, you know the the parts that he's put together, how he's built it, of course. Geo Baker, Ron Harper Jr., you know, the face of the program for the last three years, two guys you would go to battle with no matter what at any time and believe you have a chance to win because you did, and they came through so many times. This team is different, um, not saying better, not saying worse, just different, but I think that the balance on this team is better in the early going. Uh, I think they fit a little bit better. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm just super excited to see this team. And as the schedule gets uh, more difficult starting this Friday, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how good they can be. Um, you know, can they handle adversity? Uh, can they handle a bad shooting night against a good team? And can they gut it out on the defensive end and on the glass? You know, uh, when they're when they're playing a really good offensive team and, you know, defensively, they're not playing great. Can they keep up scoring wise? Can they continue to shoot, you know? Uh, 80% from the line, the way they have the last two games, um, you know, 19 to 22, 28 as uh, 50, uh, 56, or excuse me, 47 to 56 from the line, the last two games. I mean, that's phenomenal. If they could be an 80%, you know, 75 to 80% free throw shooting team, be the best free throw shooting team Rutgers has had in years. Uh, can they do that? You know, can they be competent from three, 35 to 40, the way they've been? Can they continue to defend the perimeter the way they have teams shooting, you know, uh, under 20% uh, from the three-point line? Uh, there's a lot of questions. Obviously, they're, they're untested in terms of top competition, but I think there's a lot to like. And overall, I think just the vibe of this team, the way they play together, their spacing on offense, um, their, their calculated aggressiveness on defense. I think rebounding is a little bit, you know, uh, of a concern so far. Um, but there's a lot to like. There's a lot to like about this team. And um, I'm just really excited to see this team moving forward. A couple notes before I end. Caroline O'Connor, I wrote about her, uh, for, uh, hired as uh, president of uh, business operations for the uh, Miami Marlins, just the second woman to be hired uh, as president in Major League Baseball. Uh, Rutgers alum, good for her. Congratulations. Uh, and then a couple uh, football, uh, pro football notes. Uh, Janarian Grant doing Janarian Grant things. I tweeted this over Sunday. He had a, a, another uh, special teams kick return, uh, his seventh of his career with the Winnipeg Jets over three years. Uh, had another one uh, this past weekend in the snow. And then Isaiah Pacheco, uh, he did have a, a loss of fumble for the Chiefs this past Sunday, but he had a career high, 82 yards rushing on 16 carries. Um, so to see him continue to uh, have opportunities with the Chiefs as a rookie and to come through, the way he did on Saturday, Sunday is uh, encouraging and great to see. So, so many good things going on with Rutgers Athletics. I'm trying to keep up best I can. Uh, I have my YouTube channel, Aaron Brightman. Uh, you can search uh, my name on YouTube, and I'm doing reaction videos for football, basketball. I even did one for men's soccer on Sunday. 
Um, my, my podcast with guests will be up there. Um, my podcast, just myself, will be audio on Apple, uh, Pocket Cast, uh, Spotify, anywhere else you get podcasts. Um, and then I'll do a post, obviously, on scarletfaithful.com. Follow us on Twitter, on my Twitter account, Aaron underscore Brightman. Uh, Instagram, the Scarlet Faithful. And um, all feedback, you can email me, brightmanaaron at gmail.com. Always open to feedback. I just want to provide as much content uh, and as good a content as I can do. Uh, and always open to new ideas. And just excited to have this opportunity to, to, to talk to you and to, to present uh, my takes on Rutgers Athletics. I hope you enjoy it and uh, appreciate being part of uh, part of the Scarlet Faithful and uh, exciting weekend ahead. And uh, you can read all my coverage at thescarletfaithful.com. Thanks again, once again, for listening.